0: It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football.
1: Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be previewing Syracuse football's new look offense and its revamped defensive line. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Jim Stick and our guest today is Stephen Bailey from CuseNation.com and 24-7 Sports. Stephen, it's always a pleasure to welcome you on the program. How are you today? I'm doing great, Wes. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, Stephen, always great to have you on. And we'll get you started on this one. We're a little over a week away from the start of the 2022 football season. You've been at practice. You've been doing a great job of covering those practices. Syracuse has a new offensive coordinator in Robert Anai. What do you see as the biggest difference in the offense now that he's taken over?
2: Yeah, I mean, they're trying to revamp the passing game for sure. Um at baseline, you want to be able to beat man coverage, which is kind of what teams were daring Syracuse to beat last year. So we've seen a lot more motion, a lot more positional flexibility, a lot more in-breaking routes. The route tree is, as a whole, is a little a little more diverse. Uh, receivers have multiple different uh, adjustments and, and and changes they can make to a route pre and post snap whereas it was a little more limited in terms of options last year so the goal is basically to make it to make it harder to uh, to defend uh the passing game obviously the quarterbacks and receivers are saying that it's going great uh we will see if it if it goes that well um i i do think the personnel is better equipped to execute this system I think Garrett Schrader with a a full year at Syracuse under his belt and a spring with Robert Anai, and basically the same group of receivers minus Taj Harris, who left mid-year last year, plus a couple transfers. Um, You know, I think think they should be better this fall, and and potentially you only need to be a little bit better just to, to open up the running game a little more for Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader, who we know are obviously very good based on running well against stacked boxes for most of the last year
1: so you mentioned Garrett Strader he's the presumed starter barring injury but there's an entirely different quarterback room behind him this season what's the latest with the backup quarterback battle
2: yeah well Dan Valari the Michigan transfer was working at wide receiver this morning uh which is the second to last uh day of preseason camp um so it doesn't seem like he's going to be the backup quarterback <laughs> uh <laughs> everything everything that we have seen uh indicates that Carlos dorio Wilson will be the two uh He's a Florida transfer who came in over the summer um He's the only guy who I have seen take a team rep behind garrett schrader and and we've seen him come on for probably ten team periods or goal line periods at this point. You know he's mostly worked with the twos a little bit with the ones um dual threat guy big body. Uh, Not quite as shifty as Schrader, but certainly someone who can use his feet. I I think, you know, the Syracuse staff believes that he can do, you know, he can slot in and they can run the offense the same way. Uh, Obviously not as well, but, you know, it really seems to be, you know, his his job to lose in terms of the backup position. Jacobian Morgan also still working at quarterback, but he is more of a pocket passer, and I think – to me, that's probably the biggest difference that sets Del Rio Wilson apart, that they can still do the stuff in the running game that they do with Schrader and the, the counter stuff, the misdirection stuff, um, obviously extending plays with his feet, and all of that complements Sean Tucker so well. So I do think it's important that they have a backup who still gives them that second, uh, second threat out of the backfield.
1: Steven, there's been a lot of talk about the offense, and understandably so with a new offensive coordinator, but the defense was the shrink the Syracuse last year. So how does that defense look coming into 2022?
2: Yeah, you know, I think the linebackers look great.
1: <laughs> the cornerbacks look
2: great. And we're going to learn. <laughs> I, I think the safeties look very good, too, although Jason Simmons Jr. Uh, is hurt. Jahad Carter missed a little bit of time. Uh, it, it's the defensive line that everyone's watching, right? I mean, they're they've got to replace there's six most played guys from last year and there's really only a you know i guess four players now who are back this year who, who played significant snaps last year and they're all stepping into bigger roles so you're going to have at least a couple guys you know who are redshirt freshmen most likely maybe true freshmen who are playing who haven't played before uh it's you know it, it's it's going to be interesting i think the tony white the defensive coordinator has known that since the spring, they factored that into the way that they installed concepts and taught the players and uh, the amount of one-on-one time they gave them and how, you know, I think the veteran defensive players like Michael Jones and Caleb Okachukwu took that into the, the summer and knew they were going to have to work with those young guys. So they've been coaching them up. They've been trying to get them ready. Syracuse says they're ready
1: and we're all
2: going to find out how ready they are in a couple of weeks.
1: And Stephen, we'll get you out of here on this one. With that in mind, how do you see Syracuse doing in twenty twenty two with that difficult schedule? Can they make it back to bowl season?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be close. I really do. I think on paper, this is is maybe you know one of the the two most talented teams uh, of the Dino Babers era. Obviously, the twenty eighteen team did so well, and you can see some similarities there. Um, you know, maybe they've got a little bit of depth at quarterback <laughs> if Dorial Wilson is is uh is doing well there. Um they've got a veteran offensive line and that's that's big. Right now they've got five healthy guys and uh Matthew Bergeron, Kalen Ellis, Carlos Veterello, Chris Bleich, and Dakota Davis. They've got a couple promising backups. You know, they might be able to survive kind of the natural wear and tear of the season a little bit better than they have in the past. Uh, and then obviously you go to linebacker. They got three great linebackers, two really good cornerbacks. A kicker who's potentially one of the best in the country, um, obviously Sean Tucker, an All-American running back. You know that the the top twelve guys on this team are really really good players. They're potentially NFL-type guys to clear professional players. Um, the question is going to be that defensive line. Uh, I, I still think you know the offensive line needs to stay healthy, and then is the passing game going to be able to meet that bar? Uh, that that basically everyone internally believes it will and then you got a chance to get to six but you're absolutely right that gauntlet late in the season Clemson, Notre Dame, NC State and Pitt four straight games i mean that's that's tough you know i think they need to start four and one to to really going into that stretch feel good about their chances to get to six which means you probably got to win two of uh, Louisville, Virginia and Purdue Um, and if you don't, if you end up going to that stretch three and two, you're going to need a win as an underdog multiple times, uh, to, to, to get to six. So, you know, I think, I think the line at most books is five and a half. And I, I think that's spot on. I it's, it's going to be close.
1: Stephen, thanks so much for coming back on the program. Again, Stephen Bailey from CuseNation.com and 24-7 Sports, providing the best Syracuse football coverage available. Stephen, we appreciate your time and insight. As always, enjoy the start of the college football season. We'll speak with you soon. Yeah, thanks so much, Wes. Really appreciate it. Stephen Bailey is absolutely one of my favorite guests to have on the program, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online senior columnist and my very good friend, Jim Stickshulte. Jim, how are you today? I'm doing great, Wes. How are you? Jim, doing great, and you have your annual Syracuse football preview coming out next week. Part of that includes a unit-by-unit breakdown. So when you were writing that, what did you find to be the position group you're most excited about and least excited about?
3: Well, Wes, for the most exciting group to me, uh, it's a pretty easy choice. I know a lot of people are fired up about Sean Tucker and seeing what he can do, especially in light of the, uh, the athletic department launching an official Heisen campaign him. But I'm most excited for the linebacking crew. Just three absolute monsters running around and wreaking havoc on opponents it should be a fun watch. Uh, Michael Jones, of course, is the headliner. He's an All-ACC player last year. He's been named to multiple All-American lists uh, this year. I mean, 111 tackles and 13 tackles for loss to lead the team last season. He's he's just been a tremendous player. He's the top player on the defense. The only thing I'm looking forward from him is if he can tap back into his ability to create turnovers as he did in 2020 when he had four interceptions and forced three fumbles and came up with two fumble recoveries. If he can do that, that'll be a big help to the defense. He's joined by Stefan Thompson and Marlo wax, a couple of young guys who have just, you know, taken off, have played a freshman and taken off since then. Uh, you know, they're both similar statistic wise uh, Thompson, six tax, six sacks and eight tackles for loss last year. Wax had five sacks and eight and a half tackles for loss. You know Thompson may actually be the best best pass rush of the trio. Uh, in addition to his six sacks, he had five quarterback hits as well. Uh, they're just an exciting trio. They're big playmakers, and I'm hoping for you know another big year from all three of them. You know the only thing it seems like the one thing that can keep the three of them from each having a big year is that they'll each cut into each other's stats by uh, by taking tackles and big plays away from each other. Uh, to go to the other side of that coin, uh, the position group I'm least excited for. Uh, I'm I know the defensive line is the biggest unknown. But that's a little bit interesting to me because it's kind of you know who's gonna you know be a starter and who's gonna play and who's gonna play well and that kind of thing and tight end has been kind of a non entity for the orange for several seasons uh so i'm gonna go to an old standby for the position group that I'm least excited about, and that's wide receivers um This team needs a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two uh and you know frankly, probably someone to be at least a a moderate there's a wide receiver three. Uh, in each of Dino Baber's first four seasons at Syracuse, the team had at least three wide receivers with 33 receptions. And I understand that, you know, last couple of years they've eased off the throttle and slowed things down because the personnel is different. The team's strength is different. You know, Sean Tucker's a monster. Why would you, you know, look to pass and speed up and pass and speed up when you can use Tucker to, you know, move the chains and make a big play here and there and then, you know, run your, feature your offense around that? But the last two seasons, 2020, Tosh Harris had 58 catches and Anthony Kulik 37. There was no third consistent third threat at wide receiver, and last year was even worse. Courtney Jackson led the team with 37 catches, and Devon Cooper was second among wide receivers with 21. So they just need someone to step up. Uh, Courtney Jackson had 10 catches in 2020, so if he could make a jump from 21 to 22, similar to what he did in the last season... He might establish himself as a wide receiver one, but you still need other players to step up. You know, one of the things we often talk about is how quarterbacks needing to improve for the passing game. And, you know, This year, of course, Garrett Schrader, terrific runner, but he needs to be much more consistently accurate. With his passing, he had a fairly low uh, completion percentage last year at around 53%. So we talk about Schrader needing to be better often, but at the same time, the guys on the other end of those passes need to develop into strong contributors too. It doesn't have to be like it was the first two years of the Babers era when there are multiple guys threatening 100 catches a year, but Schrader needs help, and he needs help to come in the form of a couple different bodies.
1: Jim, if you look at the Vegas odds on Syracuse this year, the over-under is at 5.5, so once again, Syracuse is right on the edge of a bowl season. For the first time since 2018 or out of the postseason for a fourth straight year, where do you stand on that line? Well,
3: when I look at the schedule for the Orange and how – you know, the national rankings look coming out at the beginning of the season and the media voting on the ACC at ACC media days to, you know, where teams finish in the, in the preseason polls. I mean, I look at that Syracuse schedule and I just see Connecticut and Wagner, the only two games I look at where you, where you feel should feel comfortable saying that's a definite win. I mean, cause there's too many large questions to say otherwise. I mean, when you start off with Syracuse predicted to finish last in the, the Atlantic division, of the ACC, that's, Six opponents on the schedule who the media think are better teams on paper than the Orange, and then you just look at Syracuse's team on its own. You know the defensive lines, lack of experience, the questions at receiver. Can the offensive line stay healthy and actually put together five guys playing together every game? Will the new offense under coordinator Robin Anai lead to a new lead to an improvement in a much much more efficient, much more productive offense? I mean, when there's five ranked opponents on that schedule as well. And four of them are in Syracuse's division, so there's no ducking Clemson. I'm sorry, four of them are in the ACC, three in the division, and then Pitt's the crossover opponent every year. So they get up four of them regardless. That's Clemson, NC State, Wake Forest to go with Pitt. Add on Notre Dame, who's all, who comes in the season ranked number five in the out of, in, in as an out of conference game, and then even Purdue got votes in the preseason polls. So that's six opponents who are nationally highly thought of. So if you just it's kinda of hard to think Syracuse is gonna be bowl eligible. I mean I'm sure no one wants to hear it, but the Orange could be a significantly improved team from last year and still finish with a worse record. Um for me the big key for me if we're determining it is if the team is significantly better than last year, it's going to show in the first third of the season. Because aside from the Wagner game, the opponents in those first four games are Louisville, Purdue and Virginia. And if Syracuse can play well, win at least two of those games and who knows, maybe even sweep the third, they will be better. I mean, and that's how you can know that they're going to be significantly better than last year's five and seven. And in my opinion, they will be a better team than last year, but it's not going to show in the record compared to last year. I think they're going to come up just short of bowl eligibility once again and finish five and seven.
1: And Jim, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Well,
3: I mentioned the new offensive under the coordinator, Robert and I, and in, in, in talking about how many wins Syracuse is going to get this year. And when I was just doing a little nerdy statistical look at things, because as you know I do, uh, one area that I found where that offense definitely needs to improve this year is when they face a short field. Uh, I found one website uh, listing how college football teams in division in in the FBS rank uh, when it comes to how many points per possession when they score when depending on field position, and they divide up into. Long fields, medium fields, and short fields, with short fields starting when a team takes over possession of the ball uh, beyond their own 40-yard line. So basically their own 41-yard line or closer to the goal line. And out of the 130 teams in the FBS level last year, Syracuse ranked 119th in points per drive in starting in those short field situations. And when you look at the four losses Syracuse had that were close games, Rutgers by 10 points, and then the three consecutive three-point losses to Florida State, Wake Forest, and Clemson. The Orange had eight total drives in those four games where they started outside of their own 40-yard line, and they turned those eight drives into 16 points, and that comes in four games that they lost by a total of 19 points. If they can get better at that short field opportunity and take advantage when maybe there's a shanked punt or or the defense forces a turnover, Something, you know, a team gets backed up by penalties. If the Orange offense can take care, take advantage of that, it should definitely help pay off. And if you don't think that this is a big deal, there are only two teams to finish worse than Syracuse in yards per, or sorry, points per possession on these short field opportunities. There were only two teams that finished with a winning record last year, and they both scraped to seven and six. It's Texas, El Paso, and South Carolina. So if the Orange can get a lot better when they have these short field opportunities, It should help turn some of those close losses into close victories.
1: Jim, my closing thoughts are on the ESPN Plus show Eli's Place featuring Eli Manning. Eli takes a trip to Syracuse in this week's episode, which airs at 7 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. That's tonight. He meets up with his old head football coach with the New York Giants, Tom Coughlin, who explains why the number 44 is the most hollow number in all of college football. It's a tongue-in-cheeky interview between Manning and Coughlin, who combined for two Super Bowls with the Giants in 2007 and 2011, but it's definitely worth the watch if you've got time. That's it for us for Stick Schulte. This is Wes Chang reminding you that I remember when I used to be really into nostalgia. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.tv, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.tv audio
0: network. Price picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepickscom play100 and use code PLAY100. That's code PLAY100 at pricepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy.